Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. This message is by Jonathan Dyke. We're in an unprecedented, say unprecedented. One of the symbols or the hallmarks for, for us as a couple, where well, we were given a four-week holiday, which is unprecedented. Oh, it is. It's unprecedented. It doesn't happen very often. And I'm not here to big up, you know, everybody take four weeks leave. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is we need, is, is we need, maybe I am, is that we need to expect God to do something which we have not seen him do before. And we need to gear our lives around looking for it. Uh, we need to step into an expectation that God's going to do something extraordinary. So in this season that we're in, right from the beginning of this year, there are two things that I believe God has been using or doing to bring us to this day. One is his word is powerful. The word of God, it says in the Psalms, is powerful. It tears things away. It removes things. It changes the shape of things. It makes things tremble that we thought was solid. It shakes things that we thought would never shake. The word is powerful. How many of you know that that's true? How many of you know that that's true for you right now? The Word of God is powerful. When God speaks, even heaven hears, earth hears. This nation needs the Word of God. It's in a, it's in a shaking condition. There's all kinds of stuff, all kinds of words coming out in secret, in public, this, this, this and this. But how many of you know that God's Word will never change? And His Word is powerful. So I don't know what's been happening with you if you've been on the journey with us as Kingdom Faith since January. Man, we, there's a lot of word that's been coming out through the prayer and fasting, the encounters, the encounters that we've had together, the encounters we've had here. But we haven't just turned up to experience God. We've turned up to hear what God is saying and see what God wants to do. Uh, again, like January was reminding me, I was just sitting there thinking, I'm just going to give him the microphone. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to go home early. Hallelujah. Because, thanks. Oh, no. Thanks. It's fine. No, it's fine. I love you. I forgive you. Say it again. I'll break your legs. Um, is that we, we don't, see some of you working out what Andrea Lundstra, for those listening on the recording, what she snuck out in the front row and I heard it, but it's fine. It's what Janet said is true, is that, I, I, this is not a lack of faith on my part, but I've learned in the last four or five weeks, while, while I've been out of this environment, that I'm never out of God's environment. I've experienced in a reality of a way what my body tries to tell me is not what God has been telling me. It's that I've learned through an emotional kind of journey through the first couple of weeks. It's like, what is this? I, I'm allowed to get up in the morning and not worry about what I'm doing or whether I do it or not. It doesn't matter. What matters is that, God, what are you saying? Because I want to do that. Come on. And it took me a couple of weeks to get that, and a penny dropped. It's like, I cannot believe I'm so dumb. But it wasn't because I was dumb. It's because I was not used to listening to that word in that way. Do you, you understand that? So uh, Janet was saying that we sometimes we, we believe what we say about ourselves when we speak it more than what God says about us. Is that true for you? It's true for me. 
So through, through this morning, please forgive me right away, all right? Because some of you, it's going to feel like you're just getting, you're getting stirred up a little bit. Because I spent four weeks in my soul chilling out, but my spirit was going, come on, just get on with it. Hallelujah. <laughs> because we're in unprecedented times. God doesn't want you to stay settled or small or insignificant or weak or even on the point of death. He doesn't want you going around the cul-de-sac of time. He wants to set you free. There's a journey for you, a destiny for you, a pathway for you. And guess what? He's got people for you to find on that pathway. So the Word of God is powerful. How many of you know that that's true? Just turn to your neighbour and say, the Word of God is powerful. And the Word is true. And it it says in uh, John 8.32 that truth... Sets people free. Truth sets you free. Free from what? Free from anything that we know we should be doing for God, but for some reason we don't think we can. Free from any sense of identity that we've been carrying, which is not God's identity for us. It sets us free. Hallelujah. Man, again, going back to because I'm going to use some things that God spoke into my heart because I realised... My identity has got nothing to do at all with what I do. And I tell you, I do a lot. And most of it is a waste of time. Because if God isn't in it, it's not going to have the effect that God wants it to have. Why? Because he wants your time and my time to produce fruit that lasts. Fruit that lasts. It actually outlasts us. And this is why, again, see the door. When you smile in the face of someone, it's going to last. Let's just check this out. If you're a bit critical about them, that's going to last too, but it's not the kind of fruit God wants us to have. So I don't know where we've been journeying, if you've been with us since January through the prayer and fasting, through February, through all kinds of encounters. I, I have no idea where you are at, but I know where I'm at which is God, there's a yearning, there's a longing in my heart for you to just be glorified. Now, I think we probably would all say that, but I think when I've said that, I've put a condition around it. Be glorified as long as. Be glorified if it means this. But God is taking those conditions away and saying, no, I'm either going to be glorified or you are. It's either him or it's us. So here's a couple of practical things. I was, I was going to try and show you the, the home page of my iPad because it's got a brilliant picture of Janet swimming with a dolphin. And every time I look at it, it makes me laugh on the inside. All right? I said what it makes me laugh on the inside. And I might get into trouble and not have any dinner for this, but it's fine. It's because for a, probably an hour, I saw my wife as the woman I married carefree, happy, smiling, joyful, just having a great time. And I suddenly realised, when was the last time I saw that? Because Jesus wants you and me to live today happy, free, and we don't have to remember the last time. Do you understand that? There's just something, as I was watching that and taking pictures, something in my heart was saying to me, he said, that's what freedom looks like. 
That's what it sounds like. That's what having fun in me sounds like. Uh, and the people taking pictures, there's somebody there taking pictures, and they said, I think there were four people doing this kind of um, book session. And they said, well, if you look as if you're enjoying it, you get good pictures. I'll tell you a little bit of a secret, and I probably will never, ever meet the other three lovely people that are in the pool, all right? But for some of them, the dolphin looked happier. <laughs> I'll just say that, okay? I'm not going to go, I'm not going to unpack that, but for some, because there was about 100 pictures from every person, and, and then when I, when I came at the end to look at them, they put, they put some of them up, and I looked at them, and I thought, that, that, that dolphin's smiling more than them. <laughs> Until it came up with Janet's and suddenly, no, the dolphin has now been outsmiled. Come on! And I was looking at that thinking, what's the difference? Well, it's because I know Janet's got Christ. I don't know the condition of the other people. I just know, man, that, that dolphin looks happier, freer, more smiley than all these other people. And I can't be right. Now, I'm not suggesting we go around going and flapping. That's not what I'm saying, all right? It's like, my name is Flipper. Like, that is not... Okay, because I know what's... A... Sorry, I've just got... Because a... I know some of you take it literally. It's like, but the pastor said we've got to be like a dolphin. <laughs> Throws a fish. That, that's not what I'm saying, all right? Come on. You'll remember this message. <laughs> what I'm saying is, be who you are. Because tomorrow morning, there are people that just look like Flipper. Because they don't have a saviour. There are people that are just going through the motions because they don't know how to get out of it. There are some people that are just repeating language, conversations. You're right over there. Shall I throw your fish? They're just people that are just going through what they can go through because they don't have someone that can help them out of it. Do you understand? That's what I'm saying that for. There are two things that, that, I, that I did uh, particularly. I, we, it took two weeks for us just to get to a place where I'm not doing anything. God still loves me. <laughs> Blake, give us a kiss. I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just in the presence of God and I was reading loads of books. And let me tell you, these books are feisty books. They were books about all kinds of characters that were raising dead people. And seeing eyes popping back into people's heads and seeing people that have been born with complete um, dysfunction of every limb. And I came up to them and boom, they just pop. So uh, there's a feistiness on the inside of me. Ah, oh, she cut out. Hallelujah. So, so if you're a dolphin, we're going to set you free. Hallelujah. <laughs> but a couple of things that happened, I'm just going to share them again. It's not a, it's not a let's get a mulch and check out the tourism. That's not the point. The first thing that had been a long enough my heart for 30 years is I went scuba diving. Okay? Do you know what scuba diving is? You end up looking like, a, looking like a dolphin, but not sounding like one, right? So I just decided, I'm going to do that. But let me tell you something. I, I messed around. I put it off. Because inside of me, it was a long enough my heart, but also it was like, I need to spend my time doing something else. Or, well, they may not be there. So I, I realised there was a longing in my heart, but I was coming up with excuses which stopped me living out of the longing of my heart. How many of you know that you can all do that? There was something God had put in my heart, but I was procrastinating, coming up with excuses. Well, I can't do this. It's a lot of money. And suddenly God says, if it's in your heart, do it. Don't faff. Say faff. Faff is a Greek word, which means faff. 
Stop faffing about. Stop faffing about. If there's a desire in your heart and you're delighting in God, do something about it. So I went down for a lesson, did something about it, ended up looking like a seal, all right? You get all the stuff on, all the kit, and guess what? I didn't realise this, and I should do because I'm an engineer. I put this full wetsuit on, and guess what? My body wouldn't sink because it makes you float. So they put 10 kilos of weight around your, what's it, your, here, what's it called? Waste, thank you. My dive instructor said, you're a man. Thank you so much. I'm glad you picked that up. You've got no hips. I don't know what that meant. I have no idea. So I put this belt on, 10 kilos, let go of it, boom, it hit the floor. (laughs) Yeah, you weren't there. It wasn't funny. I managed to sort it out, pulled it tight. And suddenly I could feel it. I could feel it. It's like, wait, I've lost a lot of weight and I've just put 10 kilos on in in a minute. And then he gives me this kind of looks like a rucksack, but it's got an airbag in it. And you can blow it up and blow it down. And then an air cylinder. It's like, and I started walking like that. I blew my neck. This is not very comfortable. This is a bit inconvenient. This is a bit weird. But guess what? I then dived out at nine metres. Without that, I would have died. What's the point? We're in an unprecedented time. And sometimes God wants us to carry things that in that season, they're going to save your life. But before it, they're going to be a bit uncomfortable. I took my atmosphere under the water. I'm not a fish. I'm not flipper. I'm not a dolphin. I'm me like you. But God, I, I, had, I had a training session so I could deal with this funny thing that goes on in your hair, right? And it did with me. And I knew it would because it does with everybody. When you get all the stuff on and you're kind of breathing outside of it, he said, put your face in the water. And I did. And there was something inside of my head that said, stop breathing. And it would happen with you too because it happens with 100% of people. Because your natural inclination is, I'm going to drown. Well, no, he trained me to survive in that environment. You're following this here because there's a principle here. Is that God wants to train you and train me to survive in a different environment. So 10 kilos of this, another few kilos of that, and I just hit the water and I just began to sink. And I thought, this is interesting. I wonder how far where the bottom is. Have, have anybody been scuba diving? Cool. So I, I passed my pad one test. I survived. I survived it. Let's just say I survived it. So I did it all in the pool. And he said, I think you'll be okay. Let's go into the sea. That's an interesting one. So I went into the sea. And it's, but the point is, is that I knew what to do. From the restriction of a swimming pool, going through the basics, just reinforce, okay, what can I do? What do I have? What am I carrying? What's it for? You go out into the open and you know you can do it. So January and February, for us, for you, for me, God has been bringing us to a point of, come on, it might be a bit uncomfortable. It might feel like you're carrying weights, but actually it's my word. It might be that you're just carrying a bit of a burden, but it's a burden for the lost. It might be that it's just a bit uncomfortable for you and for me. Well, so what? We're in an environment where it's raining. And it's going to continue to rain until you're going to need every bit of scuba gear you've got. Because the level don't stop where we're comfortable. The level stops where God's comfortable. So we're all going to need to learn how to take the environment of faith, the fresh air of the Spirit of God, into every environment that doesn't have it yet. 
into the workplace, into the marketplace, maybe in your home, maybe wherever it is where that environment of life and health isn't there, God is equipping us to carry it. Because one of the things that I learned, and this, this freaked me out a little bit as well, is he said, right, next time you're going to go under the water, you're going to take the mouthpiece out. Cool, then what are they going to do? Just blow bubbles? He said, no, we're going to trade. Because you have to learn what to do in emergencies. And what you don't do is hold your breath. Because it makes your ears bleed. And I won't go into the reasons for that, but it does. So we're under the water. He says, right, you're going to take it, doesn't take hand signal, takes it out. And you do what you're supposed to do, and then he, he finds another one and puts it in your mouth. You think, thank you, Jesus. And then you do it with him. And you think, the guy's a mug. Oh, he's confident. He was confident. In other words, there are things that God is putting into our lives which are not for us. They're to give life and health to someone who is stuck in their environment and doesn't know how to breathe properly. They just don't know how to get the breath, the gasp, the presence of Jesus. If we're not carrying something for them, they're going to drown. Is this making some sense to you? So here's a few thoughts that I kind of had. It's like, since January and February, are you praying more for the lost? If not, you've got to take a suck of it. Since January and February, are we praying in, in the spirit more than we were before? Because if you're not, you've got to pray a suck of it. Because if we're not recognising we're in an unprecedented season, the rain is coming, we've got to get used to working in a different environment. But we take the atmosphere of God with us. We take the atmosphere of God's presence with us. Whether you know God this morning, whether you don't, God has an atmosphere for you. It's called life and health. And then the second thing that, that God spoke to me about, uh, this, this is using a, a historical ev- event that happened. There's a city or a town called Mostar, M-O-S-T-A. And it's, it's kind of slightly north of the island, slightly on the west coast. And it's, it has one of, one of the largest unsupported rotundas or, or domes in the whole world. It's like St. Paul's, that kind of size. It's huge. But over the generations of time that people built it, it's been a place of worship for many, 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 many years. There is something that is in the spirit of the Maltese culture. Now, this is where Paul, he was going from a place of experiencing Jesus and all this kind of the lordship of God and me knocked off his horse and all this kind of thing. He was going across to Rome and then God diverted him. He ended up in Malta, not the hotel we were in. Okay, it wasn't, it wasn't open then. He ended up getting shipwrecked. And he was there, it says, for a few months living in caves. And he led the leader of the, the, the country, uh, Publius, to Christ. And he gave his life to Jesus. And 93% of Malta is Catholic. It's actually the largest Christian community there is, in case you didn't know. And one of these buildings, which is on a, which is on a hill, it's on a place of significance. You can see it for miles. You can see it on land, you can see it off land. You can see it from one end of the country, you can see it from the other end of the country. I think God wants your life and my life to be like that. Is that when people look out, they see something. But back a few years ago, uh, this, this uh, big building in Mostar, it's called the Rotunda, people began to gather there to pray, as you would expect. And there was one night, I think it was in 1940, I can't remember, 41, but there were over 300 people who were believing God that God was going to protect and guard and keep them safe because that's what God does. He protects and guards and keeps you safe. Is that okay to say that? If you don't know that, it's true. If you do know that, 
thank God for it. And as I was halfway through a prayer meeting, there was a big noise and a 500 pound bomb dropped into their prayer meeting. Now, I think for me, we need a few more bombs to drop into our prayer meeting sometimes. I'll just put that in as an aside. Hallelujah. But this 500 pound bomb fell out of the sky, fell through the roof. And guess what? It never went off. Come on. It just made a big hole in the roof. But it never went off. Interestingly, the people of the city, by hand, using hose and forks and spades and their fingers, had dug shelters under this building. And people would go in there and they'd, they'd think we're safe. Here's the point. When you're in the house of God, you're the safest place you can ever be. Even if you're under it. Even if it takes you all that you have to chisel your way into God's presence, to come under it, to dig a tunnel, dig it. Push through in prayer. Keep your faith alive. Keep your prayer alive. Because some point a bomb's going to drop into your world, but guess what? It won't go off. At some point, something is going to fall through the ceiling of your lifestyle. But if you're in the house of God, if you're in there and, you, and your hope is fresh and you, you just know God is there, God's going to deal with it. I have no idea why it didn't go off, and to be honest, I don't care. All I know is there were 300 people there who just saw God is who he says he is. He's a deliverer. He's a saviour. He's a king of glory. But let me tell you, we, we came out of that, that building and went into the shelters underneath, and it was interesting. I mean, I'm not very tall, and I was almost hitting my head on the ceiling. But they were all built by hand. Why? The same as people that you know. They may not know why you just are confident in life. They may not know why you talk like you talk. They may not know why you breathe like you breathe, but they know being near you is safe. You may not get it all right all the time. You might kind of drop a few things here and there, but there's something in your spirit if you know Jesus. There's something in your heart if you know God that just emanates safety. Emanate security. On the third weekend that we were out there, um, where I think you had 21 degrees of heat here. Uh, we weren't jealous for long. Hallelujah. But we had a hurricane. I don't mean an aeroplane. I mean a hurricane. It was uh, over 80 kilometers an hour. And it was the strongest hurricane that the island had had since the 80s. All right. And it was, everything was blowing. Everything was sideways. Uh, people walking were sideways, the sea was going sideways, palm trees were going sideways, everything was going sideways, probably the dolphin was going sideways, I have no idea. But it was an interesting conversation that, <laughs> that I had with most of the waiting staff that were looking after us, because we were blessed, we were all inclusive, hallelujah, gift from God. But the, I've lost count of the number of people that came up and said, I'm really scared, I've got to go home in this, what's going to happen, will we, will we survive? And I said, I'm here. You'll be all right. And the rain was banging on the windows and the double glazed units were going in and out, in and out, in and out. And the palm trees were blowing sideways and all the cats were getting blown about, which is always fun. <laughs> Whatever. And people were coming up saying, oh, I'm really nervous, I'm really scared. You know, is it safe? And I said, I'm here, you're going to be fine. You understand that? There are people that are just getting blown around in the wind and the turmoil of life. They're just getting blown around. It's like, is it a deal? Is it a no deal? What, just get, 
but you've got a security thing around you. It's called Jesus. There's a confidence in you, which is you know who you are. And you may not understand it, but it's not just so that you just become like a, a, an opportunity for them to dig under you, but let them dig into your life. You still with me here? So I don't know where you're kind of at since the beginning of the year, since January, February, but I know where I'm at, which is, God, I, I, just, I just want to make people safe. I don't want to come across like some ancient relic, because there's another building we looked at as well, which is quite famous. And, and we went in there, and we both kind of looked around. We're there about an hour, and it's like, it's full of gold. It's full of marble. And it's full of people that have done on one level, amazing things in their lives over five, six, seven hundred years. But there wasn't any presence in there. It looked really attractive. And then we went to this place here, and you could feel the vibe. The atmosphere was just different. It's like, yeah, I, 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 I can hear God in this place. So I just sat in the middle of these thousand chairs and just, God just speaking to my heart, and he did. Why? Because... They're both cities on a hill. You can see them for miles. But the first one, it was all about itself. The second one, it was all about those that weren't there yet. It was the second one that survived this with the prayer meeting. I just think it was funny. There's something in my head. We had a tremendously powerful time of prayer here on Wednesday. But we all need to be at prayer meetings. If you're not here, have your own. Because if we're serious, and I think we are, I believe we are, then your, your spirit, how you carry your air tank, how you carry the weights that are around you, how you carry your wet, whatever you want to call it, how you carry that into the presence of God makes a difference to somebody. Does that make some sense? I don't want to say, oh, you should be here or else. If you can't make it at the prayer meeting, just pray. Just pray and then feed back. This is what God said. This is what God showed me. This is what God did with me. Because otherwise we'll just think, well, no, that's for other people. No, no, no. We all need to learn how to carry our atmosphere into a different environment. Get into work a bit early. Start praying over the workplace because I know God will change something. Because that's how it works. I'm gonna, are you still with me? Have you switched off? Nobody switched off, have they? Uh, I haven't preached for five weeks, so there's a lot in here. You're only going to get a bit of it, so hallelujah. <laughs> in Genesis 25, 21, which is a great story, you can kind of look at it a little bit more in depth in a moment uh, afterwards because we haven't got time. But Genesis 25, 21, it, it kind of starts with this. This is the account of the family line of Abraham's son Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethel, the, the Ar- 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 Aramean, 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 from Padam Aram, and sister of Laban, the Aramean. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife. Now, in an essence, let's forget that it's Isaac. Let's put your name in there. Put my name in there. Here he is. He's dealing with a circumstance which actually isn't quite right. Where there should have been life, there isn't. It's barren. It's deserted. So you can kind of put your own name in there. So Andrew prayed. So Bella prayed. So Julie prayed. So whatever your name is, just put it in there. Isaac prayed on behalf of. I think there is something that happens particularly when we come before God on behalf of. 
which is different than when we just pray. How many of you know that all the time when you're a Christian, you are in the presence of God? But when we pray on behalf of, we're making use of that presence of God. You see, I can walk around with an air tank on with me all the time, and we need to to some degree, but I need to put it on when the environment isn't very good. But if I haven't got it, it's going to kill me. And here's a good example of even when things relationally, maybe in your home, maybe in marriages, if that's you, maybe in the workplace, it's just not very friendly. Well, pray on behalf of. Pray on behalf of. Stand in the gap. The Bible calls it intercession. I know people say, oh, you know, I've got a ministry of intercession. There is no such thing. It's praying in the Holy Spirit. When you pray in the Holy Spirit, you step in the gap. Pray on behalf of. Because she was barren or childless. And the Lord answered his prayer. Why? Because he wouldn't give up. Because he refused to see the environment as that's it. No, no I'm going to change it with the atmosphere that I have. God, I know you're faithful. Change this environment. Come on. So when we've been meeting here, so I don't know what you've been doing. When I, even when I was in Malta, I was praying for you. I wasn't in your environment, but I was bringing mine into yours. I was in the atmosphere, but I was bringing mine into yours. Man, I, I'm an atmosphere changer and so are you. I'm not in here just to suck it. I'm thinking, oh, this is a bit, the attitudes are a bit funny. I'm going to change it. Why? Because I'm going to pray on behalf of. The Lord answered and his wife, Rebecca, became pregnant. Now, this wasn't a supernatural incarnation. I expect Isaac was involved with this process. Hallelujah. Let's not go there. But the point is, is that God wants you to carry the sense of pregnancy for someone else. And you give it birth through prayer on behalf of. He entreated God. He took responsibility to see a God change take place. He knew the situation was not God's word. You are blessed and your offspring will be blessed. He wasn't seeing it. He wasn't going to reverse back on what God has said about him. Well, everybody's blessed apart from you, Abraham. No, he said, no, I am blessed and my wife's going to be blessed. And if it, this isn't right, so God, you need to do something. You understand that? The reason why you're blessed is to come into a place where there isn't any and change it. The reason why you are blessed is not just so that you can walk around with a smiley look on your face, although that is really, really good. It's so that you can bring that hope and that confidence to people that they just don't have a smile on the inside. So if you want to learn how to do a lot more of this, Join this prayer small group, because that's what they're going to be doing. Hallelujah. Get in there. I'll just put, I'll put that one in there. So he entreated God. He said, there's no life here at the beginning, but I'm going to speak over this. I'm going to speak over this. I'm going to speak over this until the this changes to look like what's in my heart. So at that moment, when the face hit the water, it's like my brain was saying, stop breathing, you idiot, you'll die. What was inside of me is, you will not die. Just keep breathing. And suddenly it all changed. And, and he said, you know, he said, you're doing really well. He said, you need to go all the way through and do the full course. And great. If I, <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Hallelujah. Not under the water, you understand. That would just be stupid. This was outside. <laughs> but sometimes the things that stop us coming into the fullness that God wants for us is because the environment is not friendly. Maybe it's difficult. Maybe it's really hard to talk with this one about God. We'll pray and Norton prayed, and Jen prayed, 
And Steve prayed. And suddenly you'll see it changes. And the environment becomes what's the faith in your heart. Come on. That's how it works. And when I did this open water thing, the amount of fish in there. I mean, I've only really eaten fish on a plate with chips before that. It was incredible. But to see these different fish and to feel the pressures and the ebbs and the flows of it, it just came up, and the colour of it. I mean, oh my gosh, it's... Oh, yeah, I will. First lesson, is a mask. He says, right, he says there's a fluid which is really rare. It has a particular um, uh, quality which stops your mask from freezing, from misting out. I said, what's that? He said, spit. I thought, here we go, here's some technical bit of British aerospace, chemical engineering, you got a gun part. He said, no, just spit, poo. So, spit, and then rub it in. That's nice, isn't it? Here I am, we've never met, and he says, spit. <laughs> but it worked. And the point is this, sometimes God will ask you to do something which might not be very easy. I'm not saying go around spitting on people either. I know Jesus did that. All right, but that's because God told him to. Don't go around spitting on me. Don't cover me in that, all right? What I'm saying is sometimes we've got to let something come out of us which is a bit different. Jesus puts it this way. Don't be cold. Don't be lukewarm. Be hot. Be hot. God spits out lukewarm. Come on, if you're going to start praying for the lost, be passionate about it. Be consistent about it. Keep pushing back. Keep pestering God. If you're going to start praying for it, whatever, stay hot. Don't just spit on something. Stay hot. Here's another, we've got, how long have we got? We've got 11 minutes. Here's another example. Bethany, are you, are you where's Bethany? Bethany, you, you're not there. You've moved. You're over there. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 10. And you probably know this story. It's a good story. Uh, and, and forgive me if I'm telling you stuff that you have heard before. My concern at the moment is not to educate you in your knowledge. It's to empower you in doing it. Because it's not the truth that we know that sets us free. It's the truth that we do that sets us free. It says this, Once when they'd finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly, and she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. Hannah carried a burden. There was an anguish, not she was miserable, there was an anguish within her spirituality, if I could put it that way. Don't come up afterwards saying, well, did she have a spirit or not? Let's not get into Wesleyism or Calvinism right now. All right, just, just take the story. There was something that moved within her innermost. She wanted a generation. She wanted a heritage. She wanted someone to bless with what God had given her. I think that's a good motive. And certainly for me, uh, while we were away and even before we went away, man, my, my motive, God, I want to see people come to Christ. Why? Because I want them to know what I know. I want them to be the next step. I want them to be part of the inheritance. Man, if we can't think around the first example, well, actually, this is just not right, then think about, I want to leave a heritage. I don't want to leave something in the ground. I want to leave something in the space. God's going to fill and God's going to use forever. 
Because this is what Hannah was doing. It said she prayed and she, she did this. She called out. There was a burden. And then she said, Samuel, why? Because she knew God had heard her. I believe we're in a season where God wants you to know he's heard you. I'll say that one again. Because some of you, now don't, don't take a spiritual position of arms crossed and head down right, right now, okay? Don't, don't take that. You might look like that. Don't take it on the inside. This is a time to uncross. Is God wants you to know he's heard you. That's good, isn't it? He doesn't want you to come in your personal corporate times of prayer and afterwards he's like, what happened? I don't know if anything happened. He wants you to know something's happened. He wants us to know something's happened. Because you get it on the inside. It's like, well, yeah, you just filled up my air tank with answers, with open vision, closed vision. You dropped something into my spirit. Hallelujah. Does does anybody believe any of this? (laughs) I'm just preaching until I get bored. Is that all right? Don't laugh because I will. Prayer meetings generally are the least attended meetings the church has. Not in this one, it won't be. Not here, it won't be. So here's an invitation to you. Pray. I don't know how to. Join the prayer small group. Wednesday evening. Come on a Sunday morning at nine o'clock. Come on an impact prayer meeting. Because because I went all the way through. I don't know how to pray. Do you know what God said? Get on with it. Well, I need this, I need that, I need this. No, no, no. What we need to do is to pray. Because the more we pray, the more we want to pray. And the more we pray, the more we know how to pray. Because there's not a book out there that gives you the A to Z of this is how you pray. Even when Jesus was around, the the very, very few things that the disciples said, teachers, they said, teach us how to pray. I don't know about you, but I'm still asking the question. Jesus, teach me how to pray. And what does he say? Get on with it. Do you understand that? So, in your, this is a bit of a challenge. Please don't get up in the morning with your spiritual arms crossed. Now, open them up to the possibilities that God can use you, will use you, is using you, and will continue to use you. Open up your arms to the possibility that somehow you are here to make a difference to somebody else's life. The more we pray, the more we want to. And here's the last example in Scripture. It's from 1 Chronicles chapter 5. And this one kind of describes a little bit more about, you know, maybe you just get in opposition. Maybe everybody you think hates your guts. Well, I don't know why they've never seen them. But it can feel like they do. Here's a good story. The Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh had 44,760 men ready for military service. That's quite a lot, right? That's a few more than in this room. Able-bodied men who could handle shield and sword and who could use a bow and were trained for battle. These weren't just in the back. They weren't just in the kitchen. They were hardened troops. They knew what they were doing. They knew disciplines. They knew how to take orders. They knew how to perceive strategies on the ground. These guys knew what they were doing. All right? Let's keep reading. They waged war against Hagrites and Jetur and Nathith and all these other funny, really names that I really should know how to say, but... I'm saved. They were helped in fighting them, and God delivered the Hagrites and all their allies into their hands. Why? Because it was not because they thought they knew what to do. It was not because they had the latest book, or they'd been to the latest conference, or they had the star author's video. It was nothing to do with that. 
Nothing. It's because in the face and in the sound of conflict, in the smell of it, they cried out to the Lord. Come on. This is what it says in the Bible, right? That's what it says up here, isn't it? I hope it is, unless you found, what have you found? You have found it, haven't you? Of course you have. But in the midst of all of this, even though they were the most highly trained, skilled, disciplined, fighting force, the answer was, they, was from the inside. It was not from their ability. That certainly isn't why God answered them. And God delivered them because they cried out to him during the battle. He answered their prayers because they trusted him. And I'll tell you what, one of the things that has happened with me is God has just stripped back everything. Everything that I thought, yeah, I'm going to trust in that. No, trust in me. I'm going to trust in, I can do that. I can do this. I'm not very good at that. I'll get somebody else to do it. It makes me look good. God has stripped back all of that. So you, know, you trust in me and I'm going to come through for you. You trust in me and when it works, you ain't going to get a mention. That's all right. I don't care. As long as you do. So this is the third example in scripture. Not only did he, did God answer them, but they pillaged the land. Now, I don't know what you're going to do with these in your small holding in Lansing, wherever it is that you live. 50,000 camels. I have no idea what you're going to do with that. No idea. Maybe he's Preston. Take him around, Fred. He's got loads of room. 250,000 sheep and 2,000 donkeys. They also took 100,000 people captive. Only counting a sheep. I don't know. Maybe they like lamb. I have no idea. Maybe they were Welsh. I have no idea. All I know is, is that when, when we just lay our lives before God and we realise that our mission is bigger than our position, that what God wants to do through you is bigger than you think you are right now, let's just put it like that, then we begin to call those things that aren't as though they are. We begin to step into what appears barren, saying, I'm going to bring the oxygen into this and change it. Even in the middle of war, even in the middle of conflict, we cry out to God. We don't say, oh, have mercy on me, you lot. Have mercy on me, God. Be my strength. Be my refuge. Do you understand that? So here's the last kind of challenge. As church, and I'm talking about all four congregations here, We've got to step into the space that God has made for us. Because I know it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by the Spirit, I know that. But let's not hide behind that as an excuse. That when it feels right, I'm going to do it. Now I'm going to do it to make it feel right. Do you understand that? Don't get your head just above the water, but your head says, don't go into there because you'll die. Put your head in there. Because you will not die, you will live. When you begin to pray, was it Winston Churchill? And I said this the other day at a leadership meeting. I was talking about this in his interview. And I said, it's a bit like Winston Churchill said. He said, if it feels like you're walking through hell, keep walking. It's true. I didn't even know God. He was a bit of an odd bod, right? What I'm saying to you is, right, whatever step you're in, and whatever step you're about to take, call on the Lord. Oh, sometimes that's just for the saved. 
We need saving. We need saving right now. Let's all stand up, shall we? So I believe God is challenging us. I feel really challenged. Sorry if you feel challenged, forgive me. But I just think we're in a challenging time because God wants to do something unprecedented. He wants to send you and I out into the world with, with a very narrow vision. And that is to win someone for Christ. Just win someone. How do you do that? You pray for them. You pray for them like you mean it. You pray for them until they come right through like this Thanksgiving cards that we're getting. And, and somebody shared with me yesterday, uh, what, another one of the leaders from Horsham said, they, they've been praying for someone for ages and they gave their life to Jesus on Wednesday. We'll hear about that tomorrow and we'll talk about that next week. But it's taken weeks and weeks and months and months and months. And what was totally against God and the language and the behaviour and just the attitude, but they refused to keep the climate like that. They brought their atmosphere into it. I said, no, I'm going to change that. I'm going to change God, change their heart, change their mind. And, I, and week after week after week after week after week, little by little, suddenly they, they said, I, I need to give my life to Jesus. What do I need to do? And they rang them up and said, can I come around and do it now? That happened on Wednesday. Come on, that was in Horsham. That was a school teacher. Come on. Well, we've got four people here at Alpha, right? I don't know whether there's prayer going into Alpha. If there isn't, there should be. Uh, I don't know how many people you're praying. Come on, give, give your life to Jesus this week. Just come and have a conversation with me. Be the Isaac. Be the Isaac. Don't wait for Isaac to come. You are him or her. Is that all right? Just close your eyes just a moment. Because I believe we're in a season where God doesn't want you or me to settle under the spirit of this age. He doesn't want you or me to settle under it. He wants us to rise above it, to push through it, if you would. To bring God's life and God's word, which is powerful, into our environment. We want to exalt him afresh over our lives, exalt him over our households, exalt him over our relationships. Because he is exalted. We want to exalt him over the workplace that we're in. Exalt him under whatever environment we're in. We want to exalt him. Why? Because we want to call out those things that are as though they're not. And he is exalted. The word says he is exalted over all things. Now you either believe it or you don't believe it. But you will respond right now out of what you believe. But come on, let's believe the word of God. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything belongs to God. And we exalt you over our lives, over our future, over our destinies, over our emotions. We exalt you as both Lord and God. We exalt you over sickness. We exalt you over challenge. We exalt you over disappointment. We exalt you over despair. We exalt you over pressure. We exalt you over confusion. We exalt you. We will not live under those things anymore because you are exalted over them and we are exalted over them in you. I will not live with sickness. I will not live in deceit. I will not live in deception. I will not live in negativity because you you are my life and you are my health and you are my strength. We need to learn how to live in the same tense that Jesus lives in. Come on. I don't mean a tent. I mean the same tense. Our lives are now hidden. Now living. Present tense. He has made me more than a conqueror. 
Present tense. Who is it that will condemn me? No one. Present tense. Hallelujah. Who, what, where, when can separate me from the love of Jesus? Nothing. Present tense. Come on. Well, let's live in the present tense, not in the past or in the future. Why don't I wait until God moves in revival? This is revival. Keep pushing. Keep the engine room of your spirit stoked. Maybe you just need to say, Holy Spirit, just pray through me much more. I want to be a bit more fervent, a bit more passionate. I want to be a bit more diligent. If you don't know how to do that, come at the prayer small group. If you don't know how to do that, come on a Sunday morning. If you just want to encounter Jesus, it's great, but do something in that moment. Because we are a people of prayer. And let me tell you, God is going to do a lot and is doing a lot. And here's the last thought that I had. It is raining. I don't know about you, but when when I was watching this hurricane blow through our hotel window, I thought, thank God I'm on the inside. And God said to me, you've got to learn to be on the outside. There's a storm coming. Run to it. Come on. We've got to run to it. And everything in your humanity might think, what the? But that's where God is moving. Now, there's a rain coming. You heard that a few weeks ago when Pastor Clive was here. Uh, you've heard the clock is ticking. Uh, you've heard last week an extraordinary message that God brought through Andrew. And here's another one. But let me challenge you with this. You've got to do something with it. So far, let's just lift up my hand, shall we? I know we've gone over time a little bit, but... You're a forgiving bunch of people. Father, I want to thank you that you're setting us up for an unprecedented move of your spirit. Help us to make those decisions right now that we're going to push through, pray through, lay hold of, step into, whatever it is that we need to do to push into an unprecedented environment. Even if it might freak us out in one level, Man, we're going to break through and take the atmosphere of God with us. You have filled us with your word. You've filled us with your spirit. You've equipped us in so many ways. But God, we're going to push through where it's dark, where it's barren, where it's lonely, where it's lost. We're going to push through where there's all kinds of things because we want to see your glory in this land. We want to see your goodness in this land. We want to see a breakthrough in families and in marriages. We want to see a breakthrough in the homes for your glory, for your honour. And for the praise of your awesome name. Come on, let's give him a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.